The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about a lot of very interesting and very important issues in the area of privacy and security. We're going to talk about how company insiders put high-value information at great risk. We're also going to talk about data breaches, how that relates, and about global trends in identity governance and access management. And they all kind of go together. We're so excited because we are interviewing one of our very favorite guests, Larry Poneman, who's come on many, many times. And he is the chairman and the CEO of the Poneman Institute. And I want to tell you a little bit, if you haven't heard him before, you can always go to our archived interviews and listen to him. But today, let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Larry Poneman is one of the most respected voices in privacy, data protection, and information ethics. Back in 2002, he founded the Poneman Institute, which is headquartered in northern Michigan. And that is the preeminent research center dedicated to advocating privacy and ethical data protection practices. Prior to founding the Institute, Dr. Larry Poneman was a senior partner at Price Waterhouse Coopers, where he led compliance risk management services for the worldwide firm. He also has served on the Federal Trade Commission's Advisory Committee for Online Practices, and he currently serves as chairman of the Council of American Survey Research Organization's Government Policy Advisory Committee. He also heads the 3M Visual Privacy Advisory Council, Visual Privacy Advisory Council. He is just wonderful. I've known him for many years, met him when he was still at Price Waterhouse Coopers, way back at one of the very first privacy, International Association of Privacy Professionals um, world meeting. And um, we've gotten to know each other ever since. And he is not only a brilliant researcher and a wonderful person, but I am so pleased that I can call him my friend. So thank you so much, Dr. Poneman, for joining us today. Thank you for that lovely introduction, and you're a wonderful friend, and we love you very much. Thank you. (laughs) All right. 
Well, you are always doing this very fascinating research studies. So I've read these three current ones that you just did this this mm-hmm. year. And let's talk a little bit about Risky Business. I, I had to laugh like that movie, Risky Business. <laughs> but you have a subtitle, How Company Insiders Put High-Value Information at Risk. And I, and I had to laugh because if you remember last year, we presented a program at the IAPP Washington right. DC Global Conference just on the the challenges with insiders and and how risk how this is such a high risk for companies with their insiders whether it be insiders who are just negligent or careless or insiders who are malicious right right exactly so, yeah, it is, Mari, it's a big problem, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, how do, you know, for people who are driving by who are owners of companies or some people who are on the campus who are in, you know, um, in the, the MBA program or they're in the business program, how do company insiders put high-value information at risk? Tell us about that. Well, you know, a lot of companies have, uh, structure in place for dealing with large data files, like for example, customer records or employee files. And these procedures, you know, maybe they're technologies and policies and procedures, but in general, these procedures help the organization manage these kind of large databases. And we call that structured data. And so, it, you know, companies have been dealing with the security of structured data for, you know, many, many decades. Right. But, but organizations also have small amounts of incredibly valuable information. You know, for example, the design of a new product, board of director meetings, acquisitions, divestitures, all of this information may reside in a single file. And companies don't necessarily have a process for dealing with the protection of the small information. And uh, bad guys, I mean, the hackers that, are, that sometimes are sponsored by nation states, are looking for this small, this small uh, information, uh, this, this information that's incredibly valuable, but basically it might only be one document or a file. They're actually hunting for it now. And so it puts companies at incredible risk if they don't have a way to protect this 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 type of information right so they a lot of them have trouble with the technology right they don't necessarily have the technology to detect what these insiders might be doing right exactly so you know insiders can as you mentioned can be negligent employees not bad people good people who do stupid things right right. and they might be using tools like a dropbox or a box.net and they might actually think that they're you know doing things securely but in reality that information might be visible to the bad guys or make it very easy for the bad guys to hack and you know capture that information so again the problem that organizations have is you know how do they control this 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 small high value information because it's very very hard to do it and it's very hard especially when your employees or your contract contractors are basically using your information this information for various reasons legitimate reasons usually but Right. And, you know, you talk in the study about that the sales department and the human resources are are most likely to put that high-value information at risk. I know I was just dealing with, I won't tell you what university, but a university that was, I I 
couldn't believe how they weren't encrypting and protecting uh, sensitive data of their faculty and of their students. So, you know, that was HR. Why is it that HR is is so out of the out of the loop here? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's not really funny, but you know, we've seen a lot of situations, a lot of cases where uh, the most critical information that a company has is sitting on a laptop, you know, and uh, and you know, some office somewhere, and there's you know, no one actually monitoring, you know, that uh, that device or you mm. know, trying to figure out what what that device holds. Um, it seems like different departments, different functional areas, like HR, sales, marketing, communications, the people who are in those roles basically are not thinking about security. They think that's someone else's job. And so the, 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 it, we, we as employees of a company are the first line of defense. And I, th- I don't think that culturally a lot of people you know, see security or privacy as a primary responsibility. So there's really a lot of big problems that organizations have in trying to protect this information when, you know, employees, you know, need to have access to it and will use this information for various legitimate purposes. But again, they're not thinking about how they need to protect it. Culturally, this creates a big problem for right. companies. Yeah, when you're talking about that, about having to access it, you talk about right. that employees um, have to use documents, like you're saying, and, and they have to share right. applications. But when they share, that makes it kind of vulnerable, doesn't it, to data leakage? Oh, absolutely. Uh, probably the, the single area of greatest risk for companies are collaboration tools. I mentioned not to pick on Dropbox, but Dropbox is so easy to use. I use it, by the way, all the time. Yeah, but, but, but if you use it of- for not confidential stuff, you know, for stuff right. like if I'm sending you a file of the mp3 I'm, i don't care because it's a public thing that people can hear but i sure. i surely wouldn't put in my bank information without especially without encrypting it right exactly and you know dropbox in particular has had four or five data breaches um right. and so you know the the idea is that if you're going to use a tool you want to be able to use it securely and what you mentioned not even in t- attempting to encrypt the information can be a big problem it amazes me how many people don't realize that that sensitive information needs to be encrypted. I mean, I see it all the time. I was sending information about one of my clients to a top insurance company that, that deals with, you know, the, it was the attorney. And I said, I'm going to encrypt this because, you know, the, the client's social security number and other numbers are on there. And they said, oh, you have to do that? I said, I'm going to call you. I'm going to tell you what the password is now. I'm going to tell you right now so I don't have to put it in an email. But sometimes people will send me something in an email and say, okay, it's encrypted. And then the next email has the <laughs> password. I mean, what yeah. are they thinking? It's, it's, I think people are crazy. No, this happens all the time. <laughs> I know it. And it's scary when it's a law firm or an accounting firm or an insurance right. company. Company or oh, or a hospital. This happened recently with a hospital. I mean, it's just like oh my god. Is it just that they're not being trained? Like you said, it's you know they're not aware of this or they're not thinking about it. 
What do you it think? Is. Do you think it they is. should be trained at every level of the company? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you want to create a level of awareness so that, good pe- again, focus on the good people. The ba- you can't do much about the bad people. Those people who are malicious and evil, you know, they'll find a way to get this information. But that's a very small percentage of, hopefully a very small percentage of your total workforce. So the key variable is to basically go to the good people who might be doing stupid things and convince them that security needs to be part of their job. It needs to be part of the workflow. Mm. You know, so for example, if they're handling information that's sensitive and confidential, they need to think about encrypting it. Or they might think about, you know, using tools that aren't so insecure. Instead of a Dropbox, maybe they would use a SharePoint or some other, you know, homegrown application by the com- that the company uses. Mm. So I think that the key here is, you know, creating that level of awareness. You don't have to make everyone an expert in encryption or cryptology or, right. you know, people, people don't need that level. They just need to understand the do's and don'ts. And if they have a question or concern, they need to have a person that they can contact. Yeah, yeah. It seems to me that it has to come from the top down. Like if the CEO and the COO and the CFO and all those C-suites, you know, put some emphasis on it and let everybody know this is our culture. We're going to be a culture of uh, confidentiality, uh, you know, consciousness and privacy and security consciousness. I think it has to come from the top down, don't you? Absolutely. But in our studies, you might recall, the worst, the the, the people who are the worst at protecting this high value information are C-level executives. Right. You know, they have access to this information and they're probably saying, well, you know, I'm too busy to use that encryption tool Mm. or I'm too important. But uh, they are creating enormous amounts of risk for their companies. Yeah, yeah. Now, let me ask you, I know you used to do, you used to be with a company that does audits when you were with PricewaterhouseCoopers. Sure. Yeah, I was an auditor, yeah. Yeah, I know that. And then, <laughs> you know, I noticed in your study, it, it you said that audits are rarely conducted. Yeah, great. It, you know, thank, thank you for reading these studies in such detail. You're amazing. <laughs> um, but... But, I love your stuff, but, Larry. I love it. I know it. you do, but it, it's good to it's good to read a Poneman study when you want to sleep at night because <laughs> I guarantee you don't need you don't need a sleeping pill. No, um, no, they're but, interesting. I find them interesting. You. Well, thank you very much. But um, yeah, so we're talking audits, about audits. Really, yeah, yeah, audits are really important um, because it's it's you know it demonstrates the company is serious about security and privacy and data protection. And a lot of organizations, you know, talk a good game. They'll say, oh, we, we assess the risk. But when you look at it, it, what they're doing is hodgepodge and ad hoc. It's not really a full, an, an assessment and certainly not an audit. Uh, but we're starting to see, on a more positive note, companies are starting to look at audits as an important part of their compliance program. So we're seeing more audits being conducted internally, usually by like an internal auditor, occasionally by an external auditor, like a PricewaterhouseCoopers. But doing this is very important. It demonstrates the company's commitment to compliance. Well, not only that, it reveals a lot of their holes, right? It lets them know, like, oh, my gosh, I thought we were great in that area. And look, this is where we had all these (laughs) holes, right? Yeah. As as a former auditor, that was the fun part of the job. You have to explain to your client, boy, you really have a lousy system. <laughs> well, then they needed to hire you guys, so that was great once you find out. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. it's better that they know than that they don't know, right? 
Yeah, I, I, I recall my, one of my favorite audits of all time was an audit of a very large organization. Well, I can tell you this probably so far in the past that it's not, I won't get into trouble mentioning the name, but it was the International Monetary Fund. And we were doing a, a compliance audit, and basically we were in the legal department and, on, and in a conference room. In the conference room was a gigantic box of folders oh, <laughs> of no. all of the, uh, with, with all the salary and pension information of every employee in the company. Mm. And we were just sitting there, and I was looking at it, saying, here, I'm going to talk to them about doing a compliance audit. <laughs> and here's a box of probably one of the most sensitive pieces of information that that organization has. So, you know, it's it's absolutely a big problem, even for great organizations. The companies have had a hard time, you know, managing this risk. That's funny that you say that because I don't know if I ever told you about this this identity theft that occurred with all of these scientists with a company in San Diego. They called me and they found out that there were thirty of these scientists who became victims of identity theft. And what we wow. ended up finding out was that there were some old um, banker boxes in San Diego. By the way, these scientists had moved on to like Northern California, different places. Mm-hmm. But they had this banker box filled with all this personal information from the personnel files, like what you're talking about, like HR stuff. And yeah. a bottle washer who had access to this room, all she was was a bottle washer, <laughs> stole all the, just stole the box, took it home, and created identities from all these social security numbers. Wow. And um, we finally, I mean, we figured this all out because what was happening is all these scientists who had moved on stayed together on a listserv and said, gosh, I became a victim of identity theft. And then somebody else said, I became a victim of identity theft. And then they realized it was the, the one thing they had in common is they had all worked at this company and then we it turned out that we did our due diligence and figured out what had happened and this bottle washer actually had a little desk uh, and in her desk were all these different identities that they found. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you're talking about Very finding this box. Yes, yeah, she was. Yeah, I think she got that job on purpose to be able oh, to get sure. access, yeah, to different information. But, um, yeah, she was making big bucks. But that's exactly what you're talking about when all of these that's CEOs. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it happens. Anybody have access to this information? Well, yeah, and, you know, most people. Oh, yeah, I'm go sorry. ahead. No, go gonna, ahead. I was going to say mo- most people don't realize that there are lots of bottle washers out there <laughs> that basically are making a ton of money creating these, uh, you know, selling identities. Yes. Um, so it's it's definitely a pervasive problem. It may not be a bottle washer. Maybe someone on the cleaning crew, or you know, someone who has a meaningful, uh, uh, you know, not not a, a, a significant role in their company, but you know, just because of who they are, what they do, they have access. Exactly. That's what gets back to that whole area of access. Who has access to this information? Why would you just leave some, you know, people are so worried about, oh, our systems, you know, even though they have problems with their systems and their data breaches. There, it's a data breach if you lose hard copies too. <laughs> oh sure, it's, it's 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 data. You know, it basically is maybe even more valuable than an electronic file. Exactly. I have a client now whose purse was stolen. She went to the hospital. She had um, a seizure and was unconscious when they brought her to the hospital, and and they brought her purse as well. The uh, paramedics, and um, her purse was stolen. 
And um, what was interesting is we're pretty sure it's a a dirty insider who did it. Yeah. And we're we're trying to, because that dirty insider was smart enough to go in and get her social um, from the medical files, you know, the the electronic medical files, and then went ahead and purchased with her credit card, purchased her credit report. And um, to see what she had and what she didn't have so that they could uh, wow. steal more money. So I'm dealing with uh, Experian right now, who um, one of their, t- I don't know if you know Tim Puckett, he's been really helpful to me yeah. to help me find the IP address of the perpetrator who did this. Oh, because wow. we have the credit card number and we know wh- about when it was done because it's showing up as a ding. So, um, yeah, so we're trying to use all this information. But that was offline at a hospital, you know? Yeah, that's exactly, yeah, that's, those are the envi- that's the environment, you know, where people are able to commit these crimes because they have unlimited access to the information. And by the way, th- that story, very similar to a story that happened to my mother. She oh, was in no. a nursing home. Yeah, she was in a nursing home, and she had her purse, and the, one of the orderlies took her purse with that, had her credit card and debit card information and social security number and driver's license number and went out and bought eight or $9,000 of merchandise. Oh. So, yeah, my mom, uh, you know, was not well, and so she didn't have, you know, access to her statements, and so they were able to trace it to this, um, you know, this hospital mm. or nursing home where this where this person basically committed that crime many times. Oh, my so goodness. It's a, it's a problem, yeah. It's especially a problem with people who are most most vulnerable, right? Like people who are yeah. elderly or people who are sick. People, I mean, this particular person is only 24 years old, but she was unconscious when she was brought in. So, you yeah. know, that happened to her. So it can happen to anybody, but especially when you're vulnerable and sick, these vultures take advantage. And, you know, they the, the hospitals and other places like the nursing homes just have to be more vigilant about this kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah have some controls in place. And, and I think it turned out that the person that they, they caught ultimately had a history. Uh, and, you know, a lot of these organizations will hire like orderlies or, you know, lower level employees without doing a thorough background check. And that's probably a major control that they should have in place. Right. And then if they just fire somebody without reporting them to the police, then they go and do it somewhere else, you know? That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, goodness. That's that's terrible. Well, that kind of leads, when we're talking about access, kind of leads to another study that I wanted to talk about a little bit, too, sure. which is your fourth annual study on um, uh, data breaches, because we were just yeah. talking about data breaches. And those are fascinating. So what what is the, you talk about a confidence gap in data breach preparedness. What is that confidence gap? Gap. Well, a lot of organizations have a process for dealing with data breaches. They have an, an incident response plan, for example, and they might have a team dedicated to responding to data loss or data theft. That's good news. But right. there's a gap because despite those efforts, a lot of the folks in organizations that are responsible for data breach management are, feel like the organization is not giving them enough resources or the organization lacks the expertise or what we just discussed, the employees of the organization don't have the training and awareness that they need to have in order to protect the company. So the confidence gap is the, dis- the distance between the things you're doing and what you feel like you need to do to be successful. And that gap, even though it's a kind of a pretty big gap, 
it, over the last four or five years of doing this study, seems to be getting smaller and smaller. More organizations are stepping up to the plate and, and actually doing a better job. And do you think that's because of all of our great um, statutes dealing with the fact that they have to disclose these breaches and that they end up spending a lot of money in, um, in losing their reputation because they have to disclose it? See, disclosure, I think, is the best part of legislation, you know, no, notifying and dis- or disclosing, because companies feel like, you know, if it's hidden, if it's invisible to the public, they don't necessarily have to make it a high priority, but because it is visible, and you know these organizations are if the ones that are really bad, that are constantly having data breaches, you know, large amounts of data loss or stolen, that really has a long-term impact on their reputation and their brand value. So I basically think that this is an example where regulations or legislation works very, very well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's part of it is because they do have to disclose, and then the public is yeah. up in arms about it. Um, we had a big data breach that just had a many million dollar settlement actually uh, with a local hospital here, Mission Hospital, with a data breach of all of this patient's information, uh, many patients' information. So um, these patients were getting checks for two, two hundred, three hundred dollars for these data breaches, and they were offering them a couple years of um, you know monitoring, credit monitoring, and monitoring with Kroll and all sorts of things uh, because so much information was was let out. So I think I think the gap is getting smaller because of the publicity. So Absolutely. So what about the role of IT? You know, can IT be um, you know, are with breach preparedness is their role the most important or what's going on with IT? Yeah, IT is definitely a major player. You know, you basically want to have systems that are generally secure with technology and you want people who are managing that technology to have the right background and expertise and experience. And so IT needs to be involved. But as we mentioned before, data breaches happen in places that don't necessarily involve IT, like the, the story where we have a box of file, you know, paper files, right. you know, documents that are just insecure. Or, you know, it's a tool that, you know, maybe it's not your IT department, but you are using like a, a cloud service of some kind directly, like a salesforce.com. Um, so you, IT is definitely a player, but it, in order to secure the organization from a data breach perspective, you need to have other parties at the table, like you need compliance, privacy, um, you know, and other, other functional areas to be yeah. involved in the process. Do you see many more companies getting chief privacy and security officers that maybe didn't have them before? Yeah, we, when we did a study about 15 years ago on you know, how many organizations have a CPO and it was unbelievable among the global 2000 it was you know less than i think it was you know some, something like 112 companies you know, out of 2,000. Um, now it's very common to have a chief privacy officer. Uh, it's probably even 60%, 60 to 65% of global 2,000. Um, now the individual may have a title that's slightly different, but it's the function. You know, the, the person is in fact the chief privacy officer. And CISO is the chief information security officer, uh, is even more successful in terms of you know, being part of a large organization, C-level executive team. Yeah. So the good news, more and more companies are investing in that role. 
Exactly. We have about another two minutes. So I just wanted to ask you, Larry, what do you think is going to be the big privacy issue in the next uh, 2017, 2018? Oh, it's, it's, it's my, here's my crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you know, and, and just looking at the nature of and of, of attacks against organizations and the ability of the bad guys to actually get in and collect this and exfiltrate and collect this information, you know, I think sooner or later there will be a large organization, probably a global two thousand size company, that will actually go out of business as a result of either a large data breach or a very significant cyber attack. Mm. I think, you know, that's, that, that will be kind of a, a you know, a, a turning point in much the same way that I think Target was a turning point, you know, for data protection and privacy and security. I think we're going to see something like that, uh, you know, even on a larger scale. Right. So, well, that's a little bit of a downer, but, <laughs> but, a downer. but you know, sometimes <laughs> bad things have to happen for everybody to just wake up and make some very good changes for the better. So let's just think That's about right. that for, for the 2017 year. Larry, we love you. It is time to go, and we will stay in Thank touch you. and have you back again and keep up all the wonderful work that you're doing with these really fabulous uh, research uh, projects to, to help us all to have much more respect and um, security with our, our private information and our intellectual property. Property. So you're the best, sweetie, and we will you're have you back again. Okay. Thank you so much, Mari. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Well, Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website, privacypiracy.org. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. 